0: Hello, Old Sports, and welcome back to the Hello,
1: Old Sports podcast on the Sports History Network. And we are glad to have you join us this week as we discuss the starting five, the all-time starting five for each franchise in NBA history. We will do the Eastern Conference this week and then the Western Conference at some point over the next couple of weeks around some of the other basketball-themed episodes that we have planned for you. I'm Dan Newman and I am joined as always by my co-host Andrew Newman. Andrew, how are you doing this evening?
2: Doing well, Dan. Um I know you're still down in Florida, but we had a uh a nice day today where it was the first it was like over 50 degrees today in the uh in the area in New York here melted a lot of the snow that we've been getting the last 2 weeks or so pretty consistently and it's it's always nice when you get that first day of warm weather although again 48 or 50 degrees isn't necessarily warm but for the for the late february it's it's a nice change from what we've been getting and it's i always talk about it's kind of the reverse of i love the fall but sometimes in late october you'll have a day where you go out into the um in the morning and instead of getting like a uh, you know the normal sort of crisp air of the fall you get that sting of like oh yeah winter's coming this is kind mm-hmm. of that where i went outside this morning and i had my winter coat on because i leave for work pretty early but i was like oh it, it's not like biting through my bones so and that was you know so it was it was a nice day a L- long way of saying i'm doing all right
1: <laughs> glad to hear it glad to hear it. and as you mentioned uh my lovely wife and uh trivia host allison she and i are in florida for another 10 days i guess it's wednesday and we leave next saturday so we, we're enjoying the warm weather i am have the next two days off of work. Well, technically, like I said, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. So I've the next four days off of work. And it's it's been nice to nice to be enjoying some of the warm weather. Before we get started, I would just like to remind you all to please follow the show, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast app of choice is. Please also like us, rate us, give us a review find us on Facebook at Hello Old Sports Podcast, and also you can email us at HelloOldSports at gmail.com. I'd also like to note that we have been guests on a number of our sister podcasts here on the Sports History Network. All of these have been posted by this point. Andrew and I appeared on Jeremy McFarland's Football is Family, talking about our fandom of the New York Giants. We also appeared with Os Davis on the SHN, the Sports History Network Showcase, talking about our podcast and sort of how we got into it and some of our interests in sports. And then I appeared last week on Darren Hayes on his Pigskin Dispatch podcast talking about the greatest NFL players ever to wear the number four. So Check all three of those out whenever you have the chance. So this week it is before, all.
2: Before we get into next week, I just you also said please like us on you know iTunes or whatever. Just also just please like us. I I don't have very <laughs> self esteem, so it, it would be nice if you just could like us because we're trying hard and you know it's it's we work at this and it, you know so just if you could like us or just keep your dislike to yourself that would be nice too.
1: We've gotten very little hate mail so far. So that's 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 been good, at least. (laughs) Um, So we want to talk. This is going to be very similar to an episode we did about a month uh, to a month and a half ago where we did the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks for each of the 32 teams in the NFL. What we're looking at this week is all time starting fives for the 15 NBA teams in the Eastern Conference. Unlike the teams that we put together, unlike the Mount Rushmore's that we put together for the NFL, the quarterback episode, these teams, at least in theory, would be taking the court together. So we are designing a starting five, but it would be guards, forward, center. We didn't just pick, you know, five guys at the same position.
2: We didn't just pick the five best players in franchise history.
1: Exactly. In some cases, it's that way. In quite a few other cases, it's not so the theory is that this team would at least you know in in a hypothetical historical world this team would this starting five would take the floor so we purposely left it a little bit open just like we've done with some of our other episodes i kind of sent the theme to andrew and then we prepared independently of each other so we may have sort of not exactly followed the exact same guidelines but that's part of what makes it so fun
2: yeah and I'll, I'll give you sort of my general rule although pretty quickly i'll get into at least one that i broke that rule on but in general i tried to go with two guards two forwards and a center i didn't go crazy i i for the most part, I tried to go point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward. But those are also newer distinctions, especially when you talk about the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. Those weren't as solid a distinction. Um, but I did, you know, like I was looking at ESPN, did a similar one of these a few years ago. And a lot of t- all of a sudden, they'd be like, we put four guards on this team. I tried to avoid that. And what I also tried to avoid, although, like I said, I broke this rule once or twice a lot of times you'll see when places do this with all time teams, they just take an older center and make him a power forward in general. If the guy was a pure center, his whole career, regardless of whether in these days he would be a center or not, I made him, I forced him to be a center. And there's one team where that's really tough that we'll get into next week because they had four, really of the greatest centers of all time and you cannot dress any one of them up as a power forward. I'm talking about the Lakers, obviously. Um, But I also will admit that I broke that rule once or twice. So that, that was sort of my guideline, but I didn't do anything where to be honest, it would be a cop out to say, Oh, well with this team, I'll put a guard and four forwards there because that's the easiest. Then you're basically just doing the five greatest players on the team.
1: And it's funny because both the very early days and the very recent days give you a little bit more wiggle room because in the early days, you just had guards, forwards, and center. The distinction between a point guard and a shooting guard and a small forward and a power forward. So, for instance, the 70 Knicks or the 73 Knicks, it was Clyde and Barnett or Clyde and Earl Monroe. They didn't really have that point guard, shooting guard distinction. And then over the last, I don't know, whatever you want to say, 10, 15 years... Everybody is some sort of a slash. They're either a guard forward or they're a forward center or they're at least a small forward power forward. You got the the stretch four and all of these things. So it's funny how during that middle chunk of the seventy-five years in the NBA the positions were much more defined. But on either end, on the early days and right now, it's a lot more fluid. So did you have anything else to add before we got started? No,
2: and just the only other thing, um, sort of like we did with the football, we're doing franchise histories um so you know the Philadelphia 76ers are also going to be going back to the Syracuse Nationals and the Oklahoma City Thunder are also going to be going back to the Seattle Sonics although that one was tempting to split them out like yeah. the end one I saw did split them out but you know so that's the one where that's going to really come into into again in the west is the Sacramento Kings when you're really talking a lot about the Cincinnati Royals from the, you know, from the early part of the century or 50, 60 years ago. So that's kind of where we're at um, with, uh, with those as sort of the officially recognized franchise histories.
1: And unfortunately, for those who listened to our episode on the early days of the NBA, we only are going with current NBA franchises. So we did not select an all-time starting five for the Good years or the Redman tobaccos. So And,
2: and also one, one last thing. Um, and this is probably goes against type a little for me, but I, for the four teams, I did factor in the ABA
1: a little bit. Absolutely. Me too. Okay. All right. All right. So why don't we start? And I think what we should do is we in with the conferences with the NFL, we did a, a winner of each division. I think that maybe we just do like for each conference, we just maybe do like a top two and then a, a winner for the for the conference
2: okay yeah i i, I organized these by divisions but so the, divisions in the nba are basically meaningless at this point so yeah i think that's probably the best way to do it is to sort of just go top two and that way we'll have four uh when we're done with both episodes and then we can go from there all
1: right why don't we start in the atlantic and why don't we start with our beloved new york knicks
2: okay
1: do you want me to go first why don't, you, why, why don't we go back and forth? So why don't you start for this one? Give me your all-time starting five, and then for the next one, I'll give you mine, and we'll go back and forth like that.
2: Okay. So for the Knicks, I went with Clyde. Uh, Walt, Frazier, no-brainer to me. I went with Earl Monroe. Um, only real knock would be he wasn't a Nick as long, but he's a Hall of Famer. He played most of his career with the Knicks when you look at it. You know, I went with him. I went with Carmelo Anthony as the small forward. And then, like I said, I did break my rule a little bit here. And I went with Willis Reed as the power forward and Patrick Ewing as the center. So that's my five.
1: I was with you on three.
2: So I'm guessing you don't have either forward.
1: No, I do. I have Clyde, Clyde. I have Carmelo. Oh, okay. It pained me to put Carmelo on there because his tenure with the Knicks was just basically with the exception of one season it was just you were frustrated with him you were frustrated with the team I was you know I was not sorry to see Carmelo go when he left but he won what three scoring titles I think
2: I don't know if it was 3 he definitely won the one I don't know if it was 3
1: maybe he didn't win as many as I thought he did but he you know when you the thing is there's not really another good small forward in Knicks history, Bernard King for like a year, but really it, it's really just Carmelo. And I'm just looking now to see how many, how many scoring titles he had. No, you're right. He only won the one scoring title in uh 12, 13, which but, was a really good year, which was the year that they went to the playoffs. They won what 50 games, 52 games, whatever they won that year. So yeah, you got to go Carmelo. I went with Ewing. Um, My power forward was Dave DeBusher. Now, Willis is a better player than DeBusher, but I felt like they were close enough. And with power forward being DeBusher's natural position, that was what kind of gave him the edge in my book.
2: And what was the, I have a feeling I know where you're going, but who was
1: the second guard? Where do you think I'm going?
2: I think you're going really old school with. I always get these guys
1: confused. Was it McGuire? I went with Carl Braun. (sighs) Carl Braun, who was not elected into the hall of fame until about 10 years ago, but he was a five-time all-star with the Knicks. He was on the team during, and it's it's funny actually though, now that I look at it, he actually was in the military for uh, a couple of their uh, NBA finals years, but he was on the team that made it to the finals in 53 against Minneapolis. Monroe, I don't know. I, I, I sometimes feel like Earl Monroe's, and Earl Monroe's Knicks career is somewhat overrated. He He was there for the, for the championship year, the second championship year in 73. But after that, you know, he did, he was hurt a lot the following year. And then he didn't, he didn't do a whole heck of a lot. He was a good player, but the team was not very good. So I don't know.
2: Yeah. I, I got to push back on that. He didn't do a whole heck of a lot. He averaged over 20 points a game. He was an all-star two more times. He, played after that the next year he was hurt but after that he played 77 76 76 64 and then his last year he only played 51 games but that was in 1980 I I mean he played it was not like his career was winding down there he was a hall of famer based on what he did with the Knicks
1: yeah, that's people fair.
2: like to point out, oh, what he did with the bullets. He was a bullet for what four years? Yeah, I'm not going to count the three games in 71, 72. He was a bullet for four years, and then he was so he had a Hall of Fame career with the Knicks. The bullet stuff does not hurt,
1: but all right, here's what I propose. Why don't we we, we make we take the classic Nick backcourt of Frazier Monroe, and Monroe, but then why don't we also go to Busher because I think. Yeah. It's close, but the fact that DeBusher is a true power forward and Reed is not. That's fair. All right. So Clyde Frazier, Earl Monroe, Carmelo Anthony, Dave DeBusher, and Patrick Ewing. You want to stick in the New York area and go with the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, sure. So my starting five for the Nets, Jason Kidd, Kerry Kittles, Julius the Dr. Irving, Buck Williams, and Brooke Lopez at center.
2: You got four out of five. Correct. Um, kid is obviously a no brainer. Dr. Julius, the Dr. Irving. And I almost tripped that up. Cause I, these days I say Julius, the Dr. Randall all the time. Um, <laughs> Buck Williams and Brooke Lopez, but Vince Carter over Carrie Kittles is, I mean, I, I know Vince Carter played a million places, but Vince Carter with the nets was there. Let's see how long Vince Carter was there with the Nets. He was there one, two, three, four, five seasons. He was an all-star for three of them. Um, Was the starting shooting guard almost, uh, you know, pretty much the whole time he was there. To me, he was better. Those average his all four years All of his years with the Nets, he averaged over 20 points a game, over 25 a couple of times. To me, Vince Carter was better every one of those years than Kerry Kittles was at any point.
1: And they were playoff teams those first couple of years with Carter. They lost in the first round in 05, but then 06 and 07, they won a playoff series. They were they were not what you might call a contender, but they were a very good team, at least in the context of the Eastern Conference. So I think I had gotten Kittles because he was there for so long, and you're right, Carter's tenure with the team tends to feel almost like a blip, given all the places he's been since, but... I think I can I think you've convinced me there. So Jason Kidd, Julius Irving, Buck Williams, Brooke Lopez and Vince Carter.
2: Yeah, it's you know, you you realize how good Lopez was for for a while when you look at that. Um and what I kind of did is I I made my list and then I would look at the ESPN thing just to make sure I wasn't really showing my behind with some of my picks to make sure I was sort of in the ballpark and they had Vince Carter
1: in there too, so all right. Uh, where do you want to go next? Um,
2: should we go up north real quick and go to Toronto?
1: Yeah. Why don't you go ahead?
2: All right. So for Toronto, I have, and again, we're only going back to 1995, and a lot of this history is not much to speak of. I went with Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Vince Carter again as a uh, small forward with them, uh, Kawhi Leonard, and Chris Bosch. And I know Leonard was only there a year, but if you're going to, A, it's a team that has not been around for very long. And B, if you're going to talk about a guy who was only there one year, he certainly made his impact felt.
1: So you moved Bosch over to center.
2: Yeah. he's He's listed as both for those.
1: I went with Valanciunas. He was also on, or he actually wasn't on the championship team. He got traded midway through the season, I believe. Was that the Marc Gasol trade, I want to say, midseason? Let me take a look at that here. I think that that was, uh, bah, 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 bah. yeah, he was traded to the Grizzlies in February of 19, the championship year from Mark Gasol. Kawhi was tough for me since he was only on the team one year. I don't know. This is the the only one year thing hangs me up, even though the team's only been there for about, you know, 25, 26 years. On the other hand, the fact that they finally won when they traded away Valenciennes sort of maybe pushes me to. Yeah, you know. The more I think about it, I, get, I think I was also sort of I was having a hard time thinking of Bosch as a traditional center. He's much more of a power forward in my mind. I kind of went
2: with what basketball reference listed. for these- I did
1: a lot of that, too. But at least with Bosch, I, rem- you know, I, I remember his whole career and I just remember him as less of a center, and more of a power forward. You know, it's like, it's like on those. Um,
2: they had guess- a the center almost every year he was on Toronto.
1: Yeah, and I guess even on those Miami teams, he was sort of the center.
2: They have it half and half with him with Miami, but like we said, a different, you know, much different era and things like that. So there's no disagreement on the first three, right? We were just talking about the front, the four and the five.
1: Yeah, and we don't disagree on Bosch. It's just a question of Kawhi versus Valanciunas. Mm-hmm. You know, Valanciunas never won, uh, never made an all-star team. And so not that that means all that much, but... You know, never made an all-star team, never made a you an know, all-NBA team. An okay player, but yeah, you know, to me it was more about whether I could consider Bosch a center or not, and whether or not I could put a guy there that was only on the team for one year, but...
2: Yeah, I understand. That's, you know, it's not something you... I just, with him and with a franchise that, you know, really how much history... Between 95 and 05, outside of Vince Carter, what did they have? Mm-hmm. I mean, they were all right, but more more accurately between... 2002 and 2012, what did they have? Um, so, you know, with a franchise with more history, yeah, one year wouldn't fly, but...
1: And you know what? Let me go with the guy who won a championship versus the guy who needed to be traded away to win a championship. So I'll go with you. So we got Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Vince Carter, Chris... Vince Carter, Kawhi Leonard, and Chris Bosh.
2: So Vince Carter has been on two of the three teams we've talked about already.
1: <laughs> Um, and so now we've got either Boston or Philly. Where do you want me to go?
2: Let's go with Boston just because I feel like that might be a little more. It's obviously a loaded team, but it might be a little more straightforward.
1: Yeah, this one was a little tough for me. Um, Bob Cousy, Mm -hmm. John Havlicek, Paul Pierce, Larry Bird. And Bill Russell.
2: So we agree on four Kuzi, um, Havlicek, Russell, and Bird. I went with Mikhail over Pierce. Um, I know it's. Paul Pierce had a phenomenal career. I, you know, mm-hmm. there's no denying that because if anybody could deny it, I would deny it. <laughs> you could certainly make the case for him over McHale. I just didn't.
1: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Pierce didn't really, I mean, he was, he led those. It, it's so hard. Cause it's different eras. I, I always talk about this, how, you know, when, um, this is a little bit of a digression, but when LeBron and Wade and Bosch teamed up, I remember a lot of, people saying, you know, guys from like the 90s and the 80s saying, well, that never would have happened in my day. We would have tried to beat each other, blah, blah, blah. And I always say to myself, if there was a salary cap in the 80s and if there was more free agency in the 80s, I can almost guarantee that James Worthy would have left the Lakers at some point to go be a star somewhere else and not the number three guy between Magic and Kareem. Yeah. There's a there's a pretty good chance that McHale gets tired of being yelled at by Larry Bird all the time in, you know, 1986 and goes and signs with, you know, the Bulls or something. You know, he's from the Midwest, whatever. So I think it's hard to say, and this is all to sort of to bring me to my point that, like, Pierce was the best player on a lot of teams that either stunk or in the early years with the Antoine Walker team's you know, could barely get out of the second round. Mikhail was the second best player on teams that won a bunch of championships. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I think I'm probably, I'm giving in a lot on on this. I'm not, I mean, I agree it's close. But yeah, but that's that's my point on this one, though. This is the one I was back and forth with a lot. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, oh, McHale, and then I was like, oh no, Paul Pierce. And so I think, in the context of sort of who the better Celtic was, and also in the context of theoretically we want this team to play together, and
2: yeah, I didn't put too much stock into that.
1: I didn't put a ton into it, but if you think about it, Mikhail's game here—if you have Bird, Pierce, and Havlicek. You've got three guys who have sort of similar type games. They're all sort of small forwards at heart. So, you know, this is one. The, the last couple, I kind of feel like you convinced me. This one, I didn't really need much convincing on because I was, I was in different places with it myself. So I think we can go with Mikhail. Okay.
2: So Kuzi, Havlicek, Bird, Mikhail, Russell.
1: Correct. Why don't we go to the great fighting city of Philadelphia?
2: Philadelphia seventy sixers. Um, so I went with Allen Iverson, Hal Greer, Julius Irving, Charles Barkley, and Wilt Chamberlain.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that was mine too. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually I'm ashamed to admit that when I. Um, when I did this the first time, I forgot about Wilt. <laughs> and just before the show, I was looking and I was like, oh,
2: I think I might. Have, did I miss Wilt Chamberlain? Yeah. So who did you have listed there?
1: I had Dolph Shays. Oh, okay. As the center. And I'd also thought about Moses, but as good as Moses was, he was only on the team for a few years. <laughs> uh, so it, it was really between. It, it does sort of pain me to leave off. Dolph Shays, and I know that sounds odd, but the guy, maybe other than Bob Pettit, was, you know, the best power forward in the league for the first, you know, couple of decades. He played a very long time. He started with the team back in 49. Most of his career is with the Syracuse Nationals before they became the Sixers. Only his last season was in philly and he, he won a championship with them and barkley barkley's tenure in philly was marred by a lot of both off the court controversy but then also a lot of mediocrity once moses and dr jay and especially in cheeks later on and once all those guys were gone so i I was and sort of remain very on the fence between Barkley and Shays, especially when you figure that Barkley's best year was in Phoenix once he yeah. was gone.
2: Yeah. The year after he left Philadelphia and he was actually motivated again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, this is, this is harder for me than I thought it would be. Um,
2: while you're thinking about it, I just again Chamberlain was only on the Sixers for four years, but when you look at those four years, his he averaged thirty, thirty-three, twenty-four, and twenty-four, and that's points. And then in rebounds, he averaged twenty two, twenty four, twenty four, and twenty three, and led them to a championship in sixty seven. So
1: And for what it's worth that 67 76ers team is considered one of the best single season NBA teams of all time.
2: Ended the Celtics run.
1: They ended the Celtics run of what was it? Nine, uh, nine finals appearances in a row or no, 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 10 finals appearances in a row and nine championships. So yet yeah, eight in a row. No, because they won one. Then they lost one. Then they oh, won, eight won eight in a row.
2: One eight in a row.
1: Yeah, but they'd been there ten years in a row, and the Sixers beat them. Not in the.
2: Yeah, no, I know. I know. I, but the way we're wording, okay, yeah, they they won eight in a row. They've been to ten in a row, and they won nine of those ten.
1: Since I've been so uh, cooperative, can you give me Shays over Barkley here?
2: Yeah, I think we can do that. Barkley's another one where you know. I think we devalue his career a little bit because of his public persona now, but, you know, there is no doubting that the latter portion of his Sixers tenure was him being a bit of a boob. Yeah. Grump. And, you know, and then it took him leaving that next year in Phoenix for him to have the best year of his career. So,
1: so Hal Greer, Allen Iverson, Julius Irving, another guy who was on two teams in the Atlantic division, Dolph Shays and the great Wilt Chamberlain. Why don't we move on to the Central Division and why don't we start with the Detroit Pistons and I believe it's my turn to go first here. So I'm going to go with Isaiah Thomas, Dave Bing, Grant Hill, Ben Wallace and Bob Lanier.
2: Yeah, that's a five for five with me. Um, the closest one was whether to go with Joe Dumars or Dave Bing. When you first pull up the basketball reference page and everything is Joe Dumars is the franchise leader in most stats, you're inclined to think about him, uh, you know, to put him in there, especially with his backcourt mate with Isaiah. But, you know, you give a sort of go a level deeper and it just everything pointed to Dave Bing for me. This is a very diverse one in terms of era i thought i would have more bad boy pistons on there but then you know if you're not going to go with dumars there's really nobody else to go with grant hill surprised me because you look at what grant hill did and in your head when you think of grant hill to me at least you go yeah great start to his career was marred by injuries um you know, obviously a a horrible sort of free agent, turned out to be a horrible free agent signing, but that was all after he left Detroit. If you look at his numbers with Detroit, he played almost every game. It was just immediately after, it was almost like Ken Griffey with Seattle. Now I'm not, obviously Ken Griffey Jr.'s run with the Mariners was much better than Grant Hills with the Pistons, but really the injuries came later and pretty much exclusively later where he didn't, you know, he had almost no seasons where he was playing like 20 games a year on average after that. But those seven years or whatever with the Pistons playing in those horrendous teal uniforms, he was still on his way to a Hall of Fame career.
1: No, and there really are similarities with Griffey sort of burst on the scene. A lot of hype comes from a sports family. Uh, Grant Hill's father uh, was a Calvin Hill was a defensive back with the Cowboys in the so 70s. He was, he was he a D back? He was a defensive back. Yeah. Um, you know, played a bunch of years and then left as a free agent, and then the team that signed him wishes they hadn't, and then kind of putters along. But yeah, no, six years, an all star in one, two, three, four. Grant Hill
2: was a running back, by the way.
1: Really? Yes. Oh, I thought that. Who am I thinking of then? Is that Grant Hill's father? Yes. I thought he was
2: an offensive back. No, he was a four-time Pro Bowler, 69, 72, 73, 74. First Cowboy running back to have a 1,000-yard rushing season. Uh,
1: Yes, he is. He was a running back. I stand corrected. But he'll, and yeah, you're right. I mean, his rookie year, he only plays 70 games. Then it goes 80, 80, 81, 50, but that's the strike year. There's only 50 games in the season. And then 74. So yeah, he was not... And then this I had forgotten about, the year he signed with Orlando, he only played four games. And then the following year, fourteen, and then 29, then he was injured for the whole year. So in his first four seasons with the Magic, he only plays in 18 and 29. He only plays in 47 games. So he plays a little more than half a season in four years with the Magic. But, yeah, no, I think – With Detroit, and you're right. I mean, I guess you could go really far back and you could go like to Ed Yardley from the 50s, but it just, I felt like Hill did enough to, even though he didn't win anything, it felt like he did enough to make his way on the team.
2: Yeah. And Ben Wallace, obviously, you know, I, I was glad to get a guy from those teams in there too. Not that I went looking for that, but Ben Wallace's rebounding numbers and in an era where, you know, guys who, weren't scorers, was becoming, you know, you rarely have guys. I know it was 20, like usually now you don't have guys who average a couple of points a game, but he was so good. And, you know, he was sort of there on their way up. And then as they started assembling pieces, Chauncey Phillips and uh, Rashid Wallace, he was still sort of the linchpin there with them.
1: And those couple years on the Pistons, he was like a Martian. He was like something in the league that was just unmatched. He was this big guy who was mostly a rebounder and a defensive player, but the only guy who'd been close was Rodman, but Rodman had been, you know, Rodman had all the personal issues. Wallace, when he came on the scene, he, he got so much attention just because of what an oddity his game was. So yeah, he definitely deserves to be on here, I think.
2: All right. So we got Detroit and we were in agreement there. So we got, we're in the central division here. We got Milwaukee, Indiana, Cleveland, Chicago. Do you have a preference for where we go here?
1: No, your your turn. So why don't you choose it?
2: All right, let's go with uh, let's go with Cleveland. Um, so for Cleveland, I went with Mark Price, Kyrie Irving, LeBron, Nance, and Doherty. So you get the three guys from those late '80s, early '90s teams, and then Kyrie Irving and LeBron.
1: Yeah, you know, I can't argue too much with Kyrie. I did not have him. I had Hot Rod Williams from the '80s, who, as we found out in our interview with Mister Nepper last week, was one of the highest played, highest paid players in the NBA. Uh, strangely enough, in the late 1980s, early 1990s, I just want to see if Basketball Reference has his salary data. Yeah, he was making close to 4 million dollars in the 90s. He went from 364,000 in 88-89 to 3.785 million in the following season even though he met, never made an all-star team and he um and uh they must have they must have just been paying him that money based on potential because really it was crazy in his career. He never really never really did all that much. I guess with Kyrie, I think honestly, I think what prevented me from taking Kyrie was less his tenure in Cleveland, just be, and more just because I felt like the team would be kind of guard heavy with Price, LeBron, who's kind of a two three anyway, and then Kyrie. But you know, Kyrie, he did he in his years in Cleveland, he made one, two, three, four All Star teams. He won the championship, and he had a damn good finals, if I'm remembering correctly.
2: Franchise history. Say again? He hit the biggest shot in franchise history in Game 7. Yeah. Um, And you also got to think about those three years. He comes in, you know, a year after LeBron leaves um, as a 19-year-old rookie on, you know, those first couple of years they're on bad teams, and he averages 18, then 22, then 20, you know, around six assists, you know, again, you have to sort of separate the end of the run in Cleveland where he began a performance piece of performance art that he's still carrying on to this day, but, you know, went from being sort of the young up and coming linchpin of the team to then being a role player to not a role player, but a supporting cast to LeBron and then even to a lesser extent, Kevin Love and won a championship like I said, he the biggest shot in franchise history in game seven. That's to me, that was why I was able to sort of, and he was the last one I slotted in there too, but you know, he's an all-star for the six years he was there. So that, that's why I went with him.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And you can always put him at point guard and move Mark price over to shooting guard. That
2: was control. the only thing was I was like, yeah, they're both kind of point guards. And that, that was what, one of the ones where I was like, I'm not going to split hairs
1: here. I'm going to go with both of them. And as good as Mark price could shoot, if he was in the league today, he'd be a shooting guard. He'd be one of these guys who just hung out at the three-point line and knocked down threes while they doubled LeBron. So, yeah, Kyrie Irving, Mark Price, LeBron James, Larry Nance, and Brad Doherty. So you got the three, the big three from the late 80s teams that were pretty good, and then you got the two guys from the team that finally broke through and won a championship. No real
2: debate on anybody else, right? I mean, obviously not LeBron, but no real debate on the other three of them.
1: No, it's a young franchise. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you had to pick a sixth man, that might be where you threw Kevin Love in. But yeah, really, there's not much. There's not much there.
2: And truthfully, this is a weird distinction to make, but LeBron would be on there if, you, if both if LeBron's two eras were split, LeBron would be on there twice.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> um, but uh, and he'll come up again in a little while.
1: So, all right, let's talk about the Chicago Bulls. I went Derek Rose, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant, and Artis Gilmore.
2: So we're off on you and I agree on four of the five. I went with BJ Armstrong.
1: Instead of Rose? No. Instead of who?
2: At the other guard. (laughs) <laughs> um, I went with Rose, Jordan, Pippen, and Artis Gilmore as well. You know, Rose, you can't got to remember, Rose won an MVP with yeah. them. Um, was really good for them for a number of years. I know you can't really factor in what could have happened, but certainly was on his way to quite the career, and he may still in the league, But and still actually honestly looks good with the Knicks right now, but that knee injury was just a catastrophic thing.
1: And he is likely to be mm. the only MVP in NBA history who doesn't make it to the Hall of Fame. Now, the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame sometimes is not worth 10 cents, but there's at least a decent chance that uh, Derek Rose will be the first NBA MVP who doesn't make it into the Hall of Fame. So I mean, really a, a disappointing career, but what he did with the Bulls was enough.
2: And just artist Gilmore, just to touch on him, was on the Bulls, started with in the ABA after you know was with Kentucky, then went to the Bulls, was there 76, was his first year with them at 27 years old, was there through 81, 82, was an all-star more often than not. Um, I went with Rodman over Horace Grant, and I acknowledge that the issue with having Rodman on the team is he was only there for three years, whereas Horace Grant was there longer. They both won the same number of championships. And certainly playing it's hard to argue, well, would they have won the same number of championships without either of them? Because frankly, we don't know if the answer is yes or not. We don't know how little he would have been able to win a championship with in those, with those teams. But just to me, Rodman, you know, again, was there three years, was obviously uh, in his mid thirties at that point. So, you know, the best years of his career were behind him. Uh, and certainly he didn't do himself any favors, but rebounding 15, 16, 15, which is what that team needed. They didn't need another guy trying to take shots. Certainly, when you talk about all the playoff series down the line, you're going to need a guy who can.
1: He guarded Carl Malone in the finals.
2: Yeah. So I acknowledge that it's arguable because he only had three years and you can make a stronger case for Horace Grant. I just. You know what I mean? It was close.
1: Andrew is perhaps the one sports fan or the one NBA fan that I know who did not, about a year ago, did not watch a single minute of The Last Dance, the Jordan documentary on ESPN.
2: I can elaborate on a a part of that, and I'll do do it quickly. Part of it was just that Yeah, I hated those Bulls teams. I still don't like most of the guys involved in it. In addition to being a Knicks fan growing up, I also, you know, we've talked about this before, like the little brother thing with video games or whatever, where you would be a Knicks, you would be the Knicks. So I have to find another team in the early nineties, that one year, probably the first year I really remember basketball. I loved Charles Barkley. It was his first year with the Suns and I liked that team and they lost in the finals. And then in the late 90s, I really liked the Jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked their uniforms, which they promptly changed after I started like rooting for them. I really liked John Stockton. I like Karl Malone. I would beat them in a bunch of video games. And he beat them, too, in addition to what he did to the Knicks. So that's sort of the superficial thing. The additional level to it, and we can obviously, this is not the form for it. I get a little frustrated when the fact that Michael Jordan was basically a sociopath gets celebrated as this is how you should compete. Yeah. I went into a training room and throwing his, his teammate on the ground as his, as his teammate was sitting on the trainer's table and, you know, verbally like, There's a little too much celebration of that, and it's had a deleterious effect on our sporting culture where a lot of upper-level athletes think that's how they need to behave.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would argue that maybe there was, you know, the the birds and the magics, you know, Bird especially had a little bit of that beforehand.
2: Bird gets a little bit of a pass because he was white, but I don't know. I could do without without every upper-echelon athlete these days, and this includes Derek Jeter, who I loved. I could do without them all trying to do their stoic Michael Jordan impression. Yeah, no, that, that's a fair point. But the I'm po- also not going to pretend it wasn't because the main reason was just because I don't, you know, I don't want to relive painful childhood trauma.
1: One point I would make is that the, the reason I brought this up was because if you look at it, Rodman was basically checked out of that 97, 98 season. So you can argue that not only did he only play three seasons, but that he was sort of not around much for the the third, but
2: I wouldn't fight hard for Rodman. I understand the point for Grant.
1: Yeah. Why don't we go with Grant just because Rodman was such a distraction in that last year and Grant did make an all-star team. He was there longer. So we'll go Grant if that's all right with you. So that'll be Derek Rose, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant, and artist Gilmore works for me. Your turn. You got two to choose from.
2: So we're down to two more in this division. We're down to Indiana and Milwaukee. I'm going to go with Indiana and I'm going to give you Mark Jackson, Reggie Miller, Paul George, George McGinnis, and Jermaine O'Neill.
1: Wow. Say those
2: again. I'm going to go with Mark Jackson, mm-hmm. Reggie Miller, Paul George, George McGinnis and Jermaine O'Neal.
1: We had one in common.
2: Reggie, I'm guessing.
1: Yes. So
2: was the last one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so let's start with point guard. You said Mark Jackson, correct? Yes. I and what you're going to notice is that I'm very sort of ABA heavy here. I went with Freddie Lewis who was the point guard on the Pacers in the 60s and early 70s when they were in the ABA, three-time All-Star, three-time ABA champion with the Pacers. The golden age of the Pacers was very much that 60s and early 70s ABA team. So to me, what he did with them in the – he was named to the ABA all-time team in 97 – to me, what he did with the Pacers far outweighs anything that Mark Jackson did.
2: Now, let me ask you this, and I mean this sincerely: Are you deducting it all for the fact that it was the ABA? I understand Dr. J, George Gervin, who we're going to get to, but it was still the ABA. Do you deduct it all for that, or is it it was it's the same level?
1: I don't consider it the same level. I do deduct, but the Pacers have just, other than that couple of years, I guess the whole Reggie years, they were decent, but. The Pacers have just not been very good. And they were so good in the ABA that I feel like, yeah. Do I deduct for it? Yeah. But the deduction was not enough to take some of these guys off.
2: All right. Yeah. And I mean, the ESPN one has Lewis. The ESPN one's going to mirror what yours is. I, I won't fight for Mark Jackson. There might be ones I do fight for, but I won't fight for Mark Jackson.
1: Who was your small forward? I
2: went with Paul George.
1: So I had Roger Brown, who was another star of those ABA team. Now, Roger Brown is in the Hall of Fame. He played his whole career in the ABA, but he's actually in the Hall of Fame. Three-time All-ABA, three-time ABA ABA champ, obviously, four-time All-Star. I went with him over Paul George. Paul George had some good years, but... He also didn't play his whole career with the Pacers. I obviously. am put a
2: four-time ABA All Star in over a four-time NBA All Star. Um, how many times he was a four-time All? You know, seven-time All. star he's a six-time All Star. He was a four-time All Star with the Pacers, and one of those years he missed. He only, he only played in six games in 2014, 2015, because he had that gruesome leg injury with USA Basketball when he, uh, you know, hit the stanchion behind the basket in one of the. Yep. Court- things you'll ever want to see um
1: yeah know. i mean george is george has also made the all defensive team i don't know if they had that even when they were in the aba but yeah you know defense
2: in the, like i said i'm not going to fight you on all these because i don't feel strong well, i mean i have mcginnis which i'm sure is where you're going next I, to me paul george is better
1: yeah you know i i can i can i can say that all right i'll, I'll give you paul george over roger brown um so your next forward was who i had george mcginnis i actually had dale davis really but i think that maybe now mcginnis how many he won two championships with them um yeah Uh, let's i
2: went old school with you didn't
1: yeah, no, I don't know. I, I might have McGinnis might have been an oversight on my part, frankly. Probably because he only played the last four years with them in the ABA. But yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go with McGinnis. So we got Lewis, Miller, Paul George, McGinnis, and then who was your center? I went with Jermaine O'Neal.
2: I like the way Jermaine O'Neal played basketball, especially that one night. That, when he jumped means, to the stands. That means how basketball is played. <laughs> you start a riot. <laughs> Set the game back for 20 years.
1: Yeah, you know, this is another one where I went ABA. Um, I went with Mel Daniels, who was an ABA All-Star one, two, three, four, five, six times with the Pacers, won the three titles, five-time All-ABA, twice the MVP of the ABA. Now, I don't know. Let me take a look here and see if those years that he won the ABA MVP, if those were actually... So he won the MVP in 69 and 71. Was he on the Pacers both those years? I think he was. Yeah, two ABA MVPs. I don't know, Jermaine O'Neal. Did Jermaine O'Neal ever even make an All-Star team? He
2: made six of them in a row as a Pacer. Did he uh, really? Yes. Um, oh geez, I'm way off. He was this. But now here's where I where I'm going to concede the point, but all NBA second team once, all NBA third team twice. So he was never an all NBA first team player when you're talking about a guy who was a a two-time MVP with the Pacers, all that other stuff is when he was in high school. Um the other career highlights. So, you know, I'm willing to concede on that, but don't Jermaine O'Neal was a perennial all-star for the, uh, for the Indiana Pacers for a And they were a contender all those years, but I, I will agree with you that, you know, I'm willing to concede on him, but I just figured I'd, I'd put in a word for him, even though he was probably not a guy I, you know, before that he was on the trailblazers when they were the jailblazers. So,
1: Yeah, I think this is the wrongest I've been on any point since we started doing this podcast. I had no idea Jermaine O'Neill made five all-star teams, but... six. Six all-star teams, I'm sorry. So let's go Freddie Lewis, Reggie Miller, Paul George, George McGinnis, and Mel Daniels. So we were respectful of the ABA, but we also made room for a couple of NBA guys, and And we just...
2: There's no debate about Miller. No, there's
1: no debate about Miller. None whatsoever. He's the best. Even with all the ABA titles and the MVPs, Miller is the best player in team history.
2: And he was there forever
1: too. He really was. I mean, he was there from like the '80s, the Chuck Person years, all the way through to those teams with the brawl and everything, the Artis Jermaine O'Neal, that whole team. He was That's just right. there forever. All right, so we're gonna wrap up the Central. We're gonna talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, and it's my turn. I went Oscar Robertson, Sidney Moncrief, Marcus Johnson. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This whole thing was set
2: up from the jump just so I wouldn't have to pronounce Giannis' last name. <laughs> but I still can't do it. Um, so we agreed on four of five. I went with Oscar. I went with Sidney Moncrief. Uh, I went with Giannis, and, Giannis um, and I went with Kareem. I don't think any of those four, I guess maybe Moncrief, the other three, you don't even have to think about.
1: Who did you go with as a small forward? The one thing I will say is, you actually, I actually did have to think about Oscar because he only really played the last couple years of his yeah. team, of his career. But it's the only championship the team's ever won. They probably don't win it if Oscar doesn't come from Cincinnati and partner with Kareem. And
2: and who else would it be? I, I know Gary Payton was there for a while, or not Gary Payton. Ray Allen was there for a while. They were both there, right? Weren't they traded for each other? Yeah,
1: I, I looked at Ray Allen, probably. I probably would have moved. Uh, I don't know exactly how I would have done it, but it probably would have involved moving. If my, I think the way I could have done it would have been Moncrief and Ray Allen probably have been in the way I would have done it. So, so who did you go with as a small forward again? I went with Marcus Johnson, M-A-R-Q-U-E-S. He was really good on the teams of the 80s that were, that were sort of perennial playoff teams but never got... Super far the teams with Pressy and Moncrief and Terry Cummings, the Don Nelson coached Bucks, and so I went with him. He was an All Star with the Bucks uh, four times, three time All NBA. So you know, a, a decent player on a playoff team, a perennial All Star, and I just couldn't, I couldn't find anybody else.
2: I went with Glenn Robinson. Um, Glenn Robinson was there the better part of ten years, made a couple of All Star teams. Um, was never a, it was a rookie first team, but was never an all NBA caliber player. But he is, I think I just, based on where he is in sort of the franchise index in terms of points and things like that, that is why I had him up there. But I agree, it's not one that I'm, it's not a hill I'm going to die on. It's just, you know, I think based on sort of the, tenure he was there and sort of a, a perennial starter for the better part of 10 years with um, a couple of time all-star but um nothing i'm gonna you know set my hair on fire over
1: it's not an r- unfair point i think i have to push a little hard for johnson just more awards more deep playoff runs more mm-hmm. all-star games so i think i think if it's all right with you we'll go with johnson
2: that makes sense. So, uh,
1: Oscar Robertson, Sidney Moncrief, Marcus Johnson, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar.
2: And by the and, way, we, we spent a lot of time there on sort of the periphery, but I mean, Oscar Robertson, Giannis and Kareem, a young Kareem is, uh, uh, Giannis and a young Kareem. That's a pretty nice front court there. That's
1: yeah. No, that that's but, a really good point. Even with an aging guys, Oscar,
2: Like uh, you know, two guys who don't look like the same species, considering they're both great basketball players, but um, guys with a lot more finesse. Really, in between either of those guys, nobody at that position had that sort of uh, finesse.
1: Absolutely. Agreed entirely. So we're we gonna, are now in the Southeast Division, and it's your turn. So why don't you pick. Uh, all
2: right. And the, let me just clear up because this is going to get weird. Not weird, but so for Charlotte, Charlotte has the Hornets. the the charlotte's going to have the original charlotte hornets then when the hornets moved to new orleans the new orleans franchise in the west has the new orleans hornets the new orleans pelicans and then charlotte has the original hornets the charlotte bobcats and now once again the charlotte hornets so just to sort of clear that up
1: um we ought to just can that because I think it's like the third time we've had to explain that. So we ought to just have that at the ready and just be able to insert it whenever we need to. But
2: it makes sense to explain here, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. No you, question about said, it.
2: Not. Well, you said can it. I thought you were saying like, we're going to cut that out. <laughs> no.
1: so I this the 1930s? Hey, can it. Since
2: I opened that door, I'll go with them, even though it's not one I'm particularly excited about, which is the Charlotte Hornets, um, which also includes their brief stint as the Bobcats. Kemba Walker... Del Curry, Gerald Wallace, Larry Johnson, and Alonzo Mourning.
1: You're four for five with me. I had Eddie Jones instead of Del Curry. Okay, Um, let me pull up. Because I feel like, go ahead. I feel like Eddie Jones was more of sort of a team leader with the Hornets than, um. Hold on here. Yeah, no, I I didn't do a very good job with this.
2: Didn't look hard enough at Del Curry, is that what you're thinking?
1: I didn't look hard enough at Eddie Jones. He was only a team for two years.
2: <laughs> where was he after that? Was is it one where it was like weird?
1: Uh... he was Lakers, then the Hornets, then Miami. If you look at these two teams, and like I play a lot of uh, NBA 2K and they have the all-time rosters, and they do a pretty good job of it. There's so much crossover. In the all-time teams between the Hornets and the Heat, it gets really confusing because you got Morning, you got Eddie Jones, you got uh, Glenn Rice. There's, there's all these crossovers. And I think also I looked at who had been an all-star for the Hornets, and there aren't that many all-stars in Charlotte Hornet history. And Jones is one of them in the 2000 season. But I didn't realize Jones had only played two seasons. One of which was the lockout year when he was traded mid-year and played 30 games. So I didn't realize Jones only had two seasons with them. So
2: now Dell Curry was there 10 years. It's ironically really didn't start for the most part, mainly came off the bench, but was there about 10 years, I think 10 seasons. Exactly. Um, I believe starting with their original team in 88, 89, uh, you know it was about a 15 point per game scorer Sixth
1: passed, man of the year in 94
2: yeah it, what passed as a a three point shooter back in the day certainly wouldn't lay claim to that you know honor even within in his family now but you know it's not a particularly deep franchise also it's one it's one that's only been around since 1988 and not
1: continuously So they had a few years of a gap there. That's true.
2: And it's not like the Bobcats set the world on fire. Although I do have Gerald Wallace there. So that was where I came with Curry was just, you know, he was sort of my initial thought. And then I checked some of the other places and they seemed to also have him on these lists.
1: But, um, and those Hornets teams were decent, especially before morning left. Those, those teams were pretty good. That was the they team that. They made the playoffs a few times. and Made the playoffs. They made the playoffs 93, 95, 97, 98. And that was a team in 93, I think it was. Yeah, 93. McHale's last year, the team that upset the Celtics in the first round in the five game series and knocked, knocked them out. And then McHale retired right afterwards. So, yeah. yeah, they were a good team. My only thing with Del Curry is I think I was a little resistant to him because I think people tend to think. They tend to talk about him as more of a legend now because of Stephen Curry. Oh, Some I agree. Al-
2: I agree with that. But uh, when you look at it a little bit, you're like, yeah, he probably does, for lack of competition, belong on there.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I was I was ignorant. That was a, a stupid mistake, Eddie Jones. So, Kemba Walker, Dell Curry, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: No, go finish finish the number and then.
1: Kemba Walker, Del Curry, Larry Johnson, Gerald Wallace, and Alonzo Mourning.
2: Real quick. Um- which, by the way, we'd probably have problems in the locker room because Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson hated each other. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah. uh, so we talked about that some last week.
2: The Hornets would be a good episode to do um, that Hornets team because if you, you have to be at least my age, I think, to realize like they came onto the scene, and this this was almost trivial, but like they really did change the way sports looked. Like... If you want a team that sort of defines the aesthetic of the 90s and created it, it's them. They came in late 80s. They ushered in the whole teal thing. Their merchandise was everywhere. Chances are, if you look at a picture of like a group of kids from the 90s, of a, you know, like a birthday party or something. Somebody is wearing a Charlotte Hornets coat or sweatshirt or hat. The court was like a bee's nest, which nobody was doing any of that stuff before. In addition to Mourning and LJ, who was grandmama, you also had Muggsy Bogues, who being 5'4", was always a big sort of media presence. And the other thing too, which is, they were really the first pro team in the south that wasn't you know if you take florida out like they were the first team in the carolinas which now
1: or tennessee
2: yeah what is what does carolina have now carolina's got a football team a basketball team a hockey team tennessee has a football team a basketball team a hockey team they're spread out across different cities
1: And chances are at some point, if baseball expands, that might be one of the places that they expand to is that Carolina's Tennessee area,
2: which was always, that was seen as like, well, those are college areas, you know? So anyway, we we can, but I just, I was more thinking of it from like an aesthetics standpoint. I'm not saying it would be a real deep episode, but it's something worth sort of talking about just how they, and then they were gone, you know, they were one of the top, so they were one of the most popular teams and they had like a couple of bad years and suddenly they were gone.
1: And you write about the Teal thing. I mean, you know, the Panthers, the Marlins, all these teams, any NHL teams came in with Teal. So you're absolutely right about that. Our, our, uh, I also want to tell a little story that our guest from last week, Paul Nepper, in his Knicks of the 90s book, which I highly recommend. Apparently, there was this story when Larry Johnson first came into the league. He signed with Converse and they had this idea for a commercial where Larry Bird and Magic Johnson were in a lab and they had just created the perfect basketball player and they were arguing over what it should be called. And they were saying, Larry, no, Johnson, Larry, no, Johnson. And then he came up and I think he went, I think he showed up for the commercial. And one of the two guys had bailed and they've never told him which one decided not to do it. My, my money's on burned. <laughs> but <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and uh, they they went with the grandma thing instead. The funny thing, too, about Larry Johnson, again, to sort of combine this week's episode with last, he was this phenom with the Hornets and then he went to the Knicks and he became like this old man and not even in a bad way. He was a solid player for the Knicks on some really good teams. But if you had seen Larry Johnson playing for the Knicks in 99 or 2000, you would have never thought that five or six years earlier, he was this, you know, billboard star marketing, you know, all the whole schmear.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right.
1: All right, so you started with Charlotte, so I've got four to pick from here. I am going to go with the Miami Heat, and I'm going to say Tim Hardaway, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Udonis Haslam, and Alonzo Mourning.
2: And we're going to agree on this. This is another one where I I don't know how much you can argue about any of it. Wade, you could try and put
1: Bosch in there.
2: Yeah, but I mean, Wade is, is the best player in franchise history, LeBron was there four years, won at least, what, two MVPs when he was there. They went to four straight finals. They won two titles. He was the best player in the league all four years he was there, whether he won MVPs or not. Hardaway, from a point guard standpoint, was people forget just how good he was for how long.
1: Morning. Him joining the Heat is what kind of pushed them over the edge into being a real contender in the mid-90s.
2: Morning. Probably, you know, probably his best years, definitely had his best years with Miami. And then Haslam to me is just based on longevity. He's again, the leader in, I think games played for them. He was there for a long time. So he gets the nod to me over Bosch who, you know, Bosch obviously was there for, to me, Bosch was there. He was the third guy for those teams, which hey, being the third guy on those teams is no small shakes. You know, pretty quickly after LeBron left, he had the health issues. And, you know, so to me, it's I don't I don't see putting Bosh in over any of the three front court guys. So
1: last year was such a strange year for sports with the with the virus and everything kind of happening at once. All the teams kind of came back at once, all the leagues, I should say, into their playoffs. So I don't remember exactly what the story was with Haslam, but th- this is his career. He joins his year the, the team the same year they draft Wade. So he's there for the 06 team that wins the title, the, the Shaq team. Then he's there, and he's there, and then he, he's on the team for all the LeBron years. And then his last year with the team was last year. He didn't retire until the 2019-2020 season. Now, the last four seasons, in reverse order, he's played four games, 10 games, 14 games, and 16 games. So it's odd to me that they would keep a guy around that long Who was only going to play that number of games? Now, part of it's because he's been there for so long, but I'd have to look a little more and see. But you think about it if they had won the championship last year, he would have technically been on championship teams with that, you know, all three of their championship eras in the 15 or so years. Oh, and by the way, he's. I I see a thing here from
2: three weeks ago that he was cleared. He's still on the team. Are you serious? I see an article from January 30th. that said Haslam personal is available. He was cleared for Saturday's game against Sacramento veteran. Big man was considered questionable due to unspecified personal reasons. So I'm going to look up his stats for this year, but it,
1: I, he signed a contract with the heat on November 28th, 2020. He has not played this year, but he's,
2: No, he has. He's played 11 minutes, it appears.
1: Really? Maybe Basketball Reference hasn't updated his stats.
2: stats from this year, but uh, let's see. Yeah, it looks like he played against. Was the 22nd a Saturday, or is that a? No, that was Monday. Maybe this is last year's. But I I mean, the article makes it seem like he maybe hasn't played yet this year. But doesn't the article make it seem like he's on the team still?
1: I didn't see the article.
2: Oh yeah, you didn't see. <laughs> anyway, we don't need to believe this. Whether he's still playing or not, um, it doesn't really change the effect. But yeah, I think he's. I think he's still. He's listed on all these game logs, so maybe he just gets DNP's every night, or he's like
1: maybe. So the Heat: Tim Hardaway, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Udonis Haslam, Alonzo Mourning. We have Orlando, Washington, and Atlanta. Why don't you choose one and tell me your guys?
2: So you said Orlando, Washington, and Atlanta, right? Yes. I will go with Orlando, and I went with Anthony Penny Hardaway, Nick Anderson, Tracy McGrady, Dwight Howard, and Shaquille O'Neal.
1: That's what I had to this is might've been the one team or maybe one of the couple where I was okay with going with just two traditional centers because
2: you list, they list him as a power forward a bunch of times.
1: Howard. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I couldn't think of where else you would go with Orlando. So yeah, to me, those kind of had to be the five. I don't know. I I don't remember off the top of my head, but I can't even think of who else there really was to consider. I kind of filled these five out pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, I mean Penny Hardaway goes on there easily. Howard and Shaq once you resolve the positional issues. McGrady the the only I guess if you the only one who automatically doesn't jump out is Nick Anderson, but then you look and you go like, "Oh yeah, he was, you know, he was a really good player for them and and certainly. Who was the fifth starter on that team? Cuz it was Penny Hardaway, Nick Anderson, Grant, Shaq,
1: and I think it was future Nick Dennis Scott.
2: Okay, that sounds right, yeah.
1: Yeah, He was the three, I think.
2: Yep, yeah, yeah, I was just trying to remember.
1: Yeah, and then they had Donald Royal, and they had actually, yeah. So, they just, Scott Skiles had left the team, I think, the year or two before.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was like their original... Point guard. The best player on the original Bad Magic, like pre
1: shaq And I think still has the single game assist record with 30, 30 assists in a game. All right, we are down to the last two in this division and in this conference. Uh, Why don't I go with my adopted hometown, Washington Wizards? And I went John Wall, Bradley Beal, Gus Johnson, Elvin Hayes, and Wes Unseld.
2: I think that's correct. I had written in Pearl Monroe instead of Bradley Beal, but...
1: Didn't you just say you didn't want to hear about his Bullets career?
2: Not to degre- denigrate his Knicks career. Okay. You're probably right on Beal, to be honest. But yeah, I, I had Wall, Johnson, Hayes, unselled, no question about any of them, right?
1: Yeah, the only one, the one I considered was, I could try to put Phil Chenier in there somewhere, who's the other guy in addition to these um, to these three, and Monroe, who has his number retired by the team. But he, he, he was just an all-star a couple times, was on the championship team, but doesn't really approach this level. So there were really kind of four guards, Wall, Beal, Earl the Pearl, and Chenier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, between Beal and Monroe, I'm kind of close, but you're right. Monroe's tenure with the Bullets was so short. Beal's going to be probably on the Wizards for a while now. Maybe they'll try and offload that contract like they did.
2: The Knicks want, or there's a lot of talk, a lot of people around here want them to get traded to the Knicks, but we can, I yeah. don't know, one of them.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'm one of them either, to be honest with you, Um, especially with that contract. But,
2: yeah, I know. By the way, Haslam is active tonight. He just has not played yet.
1: (laughs) Well, by the time this airs in a week and a half or so, maybe Haslam will have gotten in yet another game. Yeah, you know. I I guess maybe just don't overthink it. Both of our original thoughts Mm
2: -hmm.
1: were Beal. Um,
2: Yeah, I think I think it makes sense to go with Beal. Um, All right. yeah, and it's one of those where like recent, like reverse recency bias, where you're like, am I really talking about Earl the Pearl Monroe versus Bradley Beal? And then you go, wow, well, when you're looking at in these confines, yes, you are. Um,
1: both made two All Star teams. Yeah, no, it's it's are, Beal.
2: Both are going to be traded from that franchise to the Knicks to be the final piece of a championship puzzle this year. Um, yeah. Uh So that leaves us with the last team in the Eastern Conference, which is the Atlanta Hawks, which your initial reaction is to go, all right, Dominique, and then who else? And then you have to think and go, yeah, this goes back to the St. Louis Hawks, one of the earliest, you know, sort of...
1: Really good teams.
2: I would say dynasty, probably not, but really good teams in the 50s in the NBA. So you got to kind of... Take us, there's more of that in the West because so many teams and in, in the West started, you know, in the East. But, um, was it my turn? It's your turn. All right. So here's what I went with Atlanta I went with Cliff Hagen, Lou Hudson, Dominique Wilkins, Bob Pettit, and then I went with the Kembe Mutombo.
1: Mm-hmm. So I had you on four. Um, Dominique is a no-brainer. Bob Pettit is a no-brainer. Bob Pettit, for people who don't realize, is one of the best, still to this day, one of the best, probably three or four power forwards in NBA history. He was the only guy who won an MVP in those early years who was not either Wilt, Russell, Cousy, or Oscar. He was like the one, the one guy who wasn't a Laker Or a a Celtic, who I guess Wilt wasn't quite a Celtic yet, or wasn't quite a sick Lake. uh, uh, Wilt wasn't quite a Laker yet, but people forget about Bob Pettit because it's so long ago and he was eclipsed by so many of those guys who came later. But Bob Pettit, like, say again, the team's not there anymore. Team's not there anymore. That's another good point. But Bob Pettit's probably still to this day, I would say, probably one of the best twenty to twenty-five players in NBA history. I had Cliff Hagen, who actually. Got his start with the Celtics and was traded to the Hawks along with another Hall of Famer, Ed McCauley, in the trade that brought Bill Russell to the to the to the Celtics. He had been drafted by St. Louis, and both those guys, both Hagan and Pettit, were leaders of the team that went all the way to the. Uh, finals that that first year, and then won the championship against the Celtics the year before. It's interesting here. Cliff Hagen was drafted in 1953, but didn't play until uh, his rookie year with St. Louis. So he was owned by the Celtics for like three years until he got traded. So I don't know what the he was what the drafted history- 53. You said, yeah. I'm looking at his basketball reference page. It said he was drafted in 1953, April of 53, but wasn't traded until 56. I'm curious. Well, I was going to bring this up because he was still. In
2: 1954, he was an All-American at Kentucky because I'm looking at the 50, the reason I pulled it up, the 54 All-American team, the forwards were Cliff Hagen from Kentucky, Bob Pettit from LSU, and then the national player of the year was the other forward, which was Tom Gola from LaSalle. Um, so he, they must have drafted him before he was eligible to play.
1: Yeah, and that did happen in those years. I mean, you know, the most famous one was Larry Bird. Who was drafted by the Celtics and then still went and finished his his career with the with the I'm sorry finished college with Indiana State. That was when they went to the NCA Finals that year. So it did happen. But I was with John Hagen. I was with Yan Neek. I was with Yan Pettit. I was with John Matumbo. Oh, you were but, with Matumbo, huh? Yeah, I was. I mean, I couldn't find another center, and I couldn't even find another. I guess Pettit could have kind of been a center, but you know, I looked at some of the more recent guys. I looked at like Al Horford. But I just didn't, I kept coming back to the fact that some of Motembo's best years were with Atlanta in the late 90s. Exactly.
2: So
1: I kept coming back to him. So I'm going to sort of preface this by saying, I think you've convinced me with Hudson. He was on the team from 50, I 66. I convinced you by saying his name? No, well, you convinced me by bringing him up and then by me looking at him. My other guard for the Hawks was Pistol Pete, Hmm. but he only really did four years with the Hawks. I mean, Pistol Pete, great college player at LSU. His NBA career leaves a lot to be desired for a guy. He only won the one scoring title with the Jazz in New Orleans four years with the Hawks and a couple of all-star teams. I don't know specifically, but I don't believe, I think Maravich, did he, I know he never made the NCAA tournament. I think he barely made, he made the playoffs, but I don't know if he ever even five playoff games in 70, 71 with Atlanta, which to me feels like a first round loss. So he never really did much as a team leader in the NBA. I know he was a, a great guy to watch and a great scorer, but,
2: Hudson was there, conversely, for 11 years, actually started first couple of years with St. Louis, and then they moved to Atlanta, was an all-star, what, six straight years from 69 to 74 with the Atlanta Hawks, you know, over 20 points a game, usually more like 25, 26 points a game. Certainly doesn't have the resonance that Pete Maravich does, but that's not what we're talking about here.
1: Yeah, I'm with you in Atlanta. Uh, with Hudson on Atlanta. So Lou Hudson, Cliff Hagen, Dominique Wilkins, Bob Pettit, and Dikembe Mutombo. Before we wrap up, why don't we pick our two best Eastern Conference teams and then our Eastern Conference champion?
2: All right. Well, I feel
1: like Boston's got to be one of them.
2: I was just about to say, by default, it's Boston is number one. Let me just look over this here. Don't think it's going to be anybody in
0: that division.
1: Uh, is it Boston and Philadelphia? I think it's Boston and Philly. Five Hall of Famers, Wilson MVP, Iverson's an MVP, Dr. J's an MVP.
2: Yeah, it's got to be Boston and Philadelphia. It's it, that's it seem the only argument you could make. Honestly, is Chicago over philadelphia because of just how good jordan is
1: i think you could make half a case for milwaukee too but you're right
2: fair the only thing i would say about milwaukee is you got a guy who's still in the early phases of what's been an amazing career and then two guys whose best years were not with milwaukee
1: I would argue that Kareem's best years might have been with Milwaukee.
2: Now, most of his career
1: was with L.A. Fair. You're right. Johnson and Moncrief are not on the level of those other guys.
2: Like I said, Chicago, you could, you could argue Chicago just on the strength of Jordan and Pippen, but not enough for that to fly, in my opinion.
1: All right. So it's Boston and Philly, and then I think you know it's closer than you might think here. I would say Boston gets the nod. Let's
2: see. Wilton Russell, just for the sake of not arguing, let's call that a push. Uh, Bird, McHale, Dr. J, Shays. It does have to be Boston.
1: If you consider the fact that Dr. J is only his Philly career, Mm -hmm. that to me, I mean, Bird's better than Dr. J probably when you take the full measure of each of their careers, but if you're just talking about... Julius's Sixers career, it's definitely Bird. Mm-hmm.
2: And I guess you'd probably, not that we're doing this, but you'd probably say the weakest is Charlotte, although, again, you're talking about newer franchises, so not to really pick, because there's some decent names on there, but the weakest would probably have to be Charlotte, right?
1: Yeah. There's nobody on that Charlotte team who goes to the Hall of um, I guess, well, Morning's in the Hall of Fame, but, again, Basketball Hall of Fame, you know, whatever. But, well, yeah. Whatever
2: is, if he was wearing a hat, it would be a heat
1: hat. If he was wearing a hat, I think it would be a Georgetown hat given how the basketball hall of fame does things. Yeah, you know what I mean. I do. All right, so that wraps it up. Uh, Celtics are the best, Philly's second and the Hornets are probably the worst. Did you have anything else to add before we wrapped it up?
2: No, I was I was I don't know if I was surprised at the level of agreement. Really the only one we were wildly different on was Indiana.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and again, that was mostly because of the ABA. Um, and I'll, I probably did not do my full due diligence. Although, Like I said, I think we came to a consensus specifically on Paul George that he belongs on there. But yeah, I, I mean, I think for a lot of these we did, we weren't super far off. And, and some of them, there's a lot of the, a lot of franchises have a lot more great players than you realize. Even franchises that don't seem to have too much history or, you know, Oh, is their history really that great? And then you look and you're like, yeah, they had some damn good players. And then just sort of looking ahead to the West without getting into specifics. When we when we get into the West, you know, there's again going to be some um, some ones where like I'm like I was talking about with you know you got a Golden State who this current era, but then they also go all the way back to when they were the Philadelphia Warriors, the Lakers. I think you can anticipate will be a quite a bit of discussion oklahoma city and the seattle sonics melding together and then sort of on the other end of the spectrum you have new orleans who only has their history and the new orleans hornets history or memphis and you see some names that you're like oh yeah I think these guys would not be you know when you're talking about do you put uh you know uh Guys who were Hall of Famers, which one do you put in? And then for some of these, you're looking and you're like, uh, this guy was, uh, you know, he was the all, th- he was the third team NBA one year. You know, the the range of guys you can discuss is interesting.
1: The Memphis Grizzlies have Greg Anthony on their NBA 2K all time team. So that gives you an idea of what we're,
2: he's not on my list. I'll, I'll admit that
1: absolutely mine neither all right well we hope you enjoyed this and uh next week it's the western conference until then i'm dan newman
2: and i'm andrew newman goodbye old sports
0: hey there sports history fan this is arnie chapman aka the football history dude and i wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the sports history network our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Join George Bozica, the president of the PFRA, and myself, John Bozica, each month